Good morning, Bethel. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verses 27 to 30. Uh, you can find that on page 980 if you're using the Pew Bible. So it's Philippians 1, 27 to 30, page 980 in the Pew Bible. Uh, please stand with me for the reading of the word. So the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to the church at Philippi from prison. And in chapter 1, starting in verse 27, he says, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. All right, you may have a seat. Good morning. So this morning, we want to follow up on the missions conference that we had last week. If you missed it, you missed out, sorry. But the audio will be available as soon as uh, we can get it ready. Um, but even if you weren't here last weekend, we hope that you can still enter in fully to what we're considering this morning. Last Sunday morning at 9 a.m. in here, Jeff Thompson, uh, he was involved with Urban Promise for years, and now he's involved the west side of Baltimore, some of the toughest neighborhoods in the country, um, and he's got a ministry going there called 1012 Sports. Um, so he encouraged us to consider how we steward what God has entrusted to us. How we do that will demonstrate how much we treasure Jesus. Okay, so he had this slide that, that he put up on the screen, had three points on it. I'm gonna mention the first two. First, he said, my stewardship of gifts and talents will lead others to see Jesus as either worthy or worthless. And then secondly, my stewardship of gifts and talents will lead to a clearer, oh, there it is, great, thanks, Chad, a clearer view of Jesus or a more distorted view of Jesus. So what does your life do? What does your life say to those around you that know you? Does your life make it really clear that Jesus is worthy? He is worth everything to you. And does your life make that clearer, or does your life give a more distorted view of who Jesus is? So as I thought and prayed about follow-up on this, this past weekend, um, Jeff's points were kind of front and center, and as I thought about Jeff's points the book of Philippians was front and center. So that's where we're going to hang out briefly here this morning because we want to leave time for community discussion um, and hear from you how the Lord worked in your heart this past weekend. So book of Philippians is a really powerful summary of how we need to live, what direction we need to head as we respond to the encouragements and challenges that we received at the missions conference. Um, it's a great um, unpacking of our purpose statement even here at Bethel to reflect God's infinite worth through Christ for the glory of his name and the good of all peoples. 
Um, so let's try to connect some of these dots. Let's just start by asking a few questions. Very personally, just let these questions sink in. Think about your life. How much is God worth? What is he worthy of? How much is knowing Christ worth? How much is it worth to be saved from eternal hell and to be reconciled to God as your father and be promised eternal joy in his presence at his right hand, like Psalm 16 that was read earlier during the singing? Listen to how Jesus put it in Matthew 13. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure It's like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up and then in his joy he sells all that he has and buys that field. If you sell everything that you have and you do it joyfully, it must be for a very valuable treasure. Or Peter says in 1 Peter 1.18, you were ransomed from your feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. So how precious is the blood of Jesus? Well, Paul's life made it really clear how precious, how valuable the treasure that is Jesus is. So first point this morning, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Look at Philippians chapter 3. We're going to start there. So yes, our passage for this morning is 127 to 30, but really we're going to kind of see how 127 is worked out in the book as a whole, just a fly flyby. Um, but start in chapter 3, verse 7, page 981 if you're using the Pew Bible. So Paul, before he became a Christian, had this impressive religious resume, and he could have hung his hat on that and felt like he was really a good guy. But when he was confronted with Jesus on the Damascus Road, he counted all that as just so much trash compared to knowing Christ. So look at how he describes it in verse 7. But whatever gain I had, reasons to put confidence in my own abilities or my own pedigree or whatever it was, my own religious performance, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count, he continues to do this, everything is lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things, but you could almost hear him in parentheses saying, don't feel sorry for me. I count them all as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith. It's a gift. comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So the questions for us are, how much is Jesus worth to you? How much is knowing Christ worth to you and to me? How much is it worth to you to be saved from hell and given eternal joy at God's right hand? Remember Jeff Thompson's point again, my stewardship, how I spend my life will lead others to see Jesus as either worthy or worthless. So what would the people who really know you say? 
that he's worth more to you than your work, than your reputation, than your success, than your hobby, than your favorite foods? Like, do you talk about Jesus as much as you talk about food? Your favorite entertainment? Even your family? So if our lives say that he's not worth that much, then we must not think he's worth that much. We don't see it. Because if we see it, we're going to count everything as lost. Remember, in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ. So maybe there's some things we need to, we need God to open our eyes so that his, his values become ours. There might be some things we need to count as loss in response here. I mean, have we sold all we have, like yielded everything to him in order to buy the field that is the kingdom? So we need to lay aside weights that slow us down throw aside sin that entangles us and run with our eyes fixed on Jesus. So, second point, Christ honored in life or death. We're going to look at chapter 1 here. When, when you count everything is lost in view of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, some really wonderful things happen. Look at 120. Um, again, like Tyler mentioned, Paul's writing this from prison. And he doesn't want the Philippians to think that he's, you know, bummed out and, you know, what am I going to do now? He's like, great, I got prison ministry. I'm rejoicing, so don't you feel bad for me. So in 120, he says, it's my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored. He'll be magnified in my body, whether I live or whether I die, by life or by death, because to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh... That means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. So convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. So for Paul, Christ will be magnified. His worth will be demonstrated and made much of whether Paul lives or whether he dies. How, how does he know that? How is he so confident of that? Why is that true? Because to him, to live is Christ. Christ is everything to him. And to die is gain because you get more Christ, face-to-face Christ. So he is, as long as he's in the flesh, in this body, He's steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that it's not in vain. He's not wasting his life. He's spending it well on things that will last for eternity. To die is gain, more Christ. The only thing Paul loses when he dies is the things that he's already counted as loss. So dying is gain. So you see how free Paul was? Don't you want to be free like that? like fearless and free? And do you see how Christ is honored? Like in Paul's life he's honored because Jesus is everything. And even in his death, Christ is honored because it's not like 
oh no, 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 no. I'm backing away from everything that's my treasure. No, I'm actually one step closer to my greatest treasure. So his, the stewardship of his life, he lived it out in such a way that it was really clear that Jesus was his treasure. So to know Paul was to know that Jesus is worthy. Okay? And he called the Philippians, and by extension, you and me, to live the very same way. So point three, only may our manner magnify his worth. Look at verse 27, um, chapter 1, verse 27. Only, there's one thing you do, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And then he unpacks how that looks in this unified community of faith that stand boldly together for the sake of the gospel, even in the face of suffering. So, one thing you do, only, above all, whatever happens, like, that's how you could translate that phrase. This is the important thing. This is the priority. So, we're called to live in a manner that clearly demonstrates the worth of the gospel of Jesus. So, once again, for Paul, the gospel is everything. Christ is everything. Knowing him was surpassingly valuable. So his life is like this big advertisement for the worth of Christ. He was a full moon to the sunbeams of Christ's worth. And that's what we're called to be as well, how to live as well. So um, when you are willing to sacrifice for the sake of something, you show the worth of that thing, especially when you sacrifice gladly for it, right? So again, the treasure hidden in the field, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has. So listen to, um, I remember reading this years ago, and it really struck me. It's from John Piper's Let the Nations Be Glad. We measure the worth of a hidden treasure by what we will gladly sell to buy it. If we will sell all, then we measure the worth as supreme. If we will not, what we have is treasured more. And he quotes, Matthew 13, 44, the treasure in the field. The extent of this man's sacrifice and the depth of his joy display the worth he puts on the treasure of God. Loss and suffering joyfully accepted for the kingdom of God show the supremacy of God's worth more clearly in the world than all worship and prayer. This is why the stories of missionaries who have gladly given their all have made God more real and precious to many of us. And so one story this morning here that I hadn't heard until recently, the, the Moravians were a small group of people. They were powerfully used by God, kind of disproportionate to their size. Um, in the 1700s, <clears throat> and there's this story of two of them, John Leonard Dobert and David Nitschman, um, they heard about the islands of St. Thomas in the Caribbean um, where there was no gospel witness and there were actually a lot of slaves there. So Christian History Magazine says this, it was in preparation for this work that the servant-hearted Dobert expressed his willingness to give all to reach the slaves with the gospel, even if it meant his own enslavement. Sometimes the story is told that they actually sold themselves into slavery, but there's really no evidence of that. But they were willing to. The motivation of his heart was expressed with apostolic simplicity. On the island, there still are souls who cannot believe because they have not heard. And so a guy named Matt Papa wrote a song inspired by their story called The Reward of His Suffering. So we're going to show that right now. Um, and it'll be a powerful illustration of what we're considering this morning. So whether the response is to get out of your comfort zone and risk 
something with a neighbor or a coworker or to the ends of the earth, we might feel like, oh, I'm not there yet. Well, look at what Paul said. He, even he hadn't arrived. We're not there yet, but we've got to make sure we're headed in the right direction. Look at Philippians 3, point number 4. Um, we're going to wrap this up briefly, and then we're going to participate in the table. Paul says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. <laughs> That's encouraging. But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. We're not earning anything here, but we need to lay hold of the very things that Jesus laid hold of us for. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal because it's so valuable. If we really treasure Jesus, we're going to strive for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And let those of us who are mature think this way. And then he says, brothers, in verse 17, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. So if this is your heart, if this is where you're aimed, and this is where we're headed, you're headed, we follow the leader and we follow the leaders. Jesus is the ultimate example in Philippians chapter 2. Christ Jesus was in the form of God, equal with God, but he didn't count that as something to be held on to and used to his own advantage. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, all for us. That, meditating on that, will begin to give you a sense of the infinite worth of Christ and how precious he ought to be to us. And then Paul gives other examples in the book, Timothy and Epaphroditus at the end of chapter 3. And actually, the whole book is filled with his own example. And he's commending them to follow him. Like he says in 4.9, what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Only let your manner of life be in line with the worth of the gospel. So that's what Jesus is calling us to in response to last weekend and really all the time. So remember those points of Jeff from last week. My stewardship of gifts and talents will lead others to see Jesus as either worthy or worthless. Don't you want them to see how worthy Jesus is? My stewardship of gifts and talents will lead to a clearer view of Jesus or a more distorted view. We don't want to give people a false image of who Jesus is, but rather a clearer one. So how much is Jesus worth to you? Are there things this morning, even as we come to the table, that we need to repent of, things we need to count as loss in view of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ and the treasure, the privilege, the joy of making him known? So let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, you are worthy. Please open our eyes to see your surpassing worth so that we gladly, we willingly sell everything to have more of you. So would you expose the things that get in the way, that compete with you, and would you help us just count them as loss and help us to see all the more your great worth and the worth of this 
treasure that we have in jars of clay, the gospel that is so desperately needed by those around us immediately and certainly those around this globe. So feed us on your grace now as we participate in your table. Thank you for setting this table for us by your death, your blood shed, your body broken. So feed your people, feed your sheep this morning. We pray in Jesus' name.